0: Everybody and welcome back to my podcast, The Books, The Bag and the Ugly. It's another great episode with your host, Raymond meggett Here on this podcast, we discuss books I've recently read, and I tell you whether I believe they are truly atrocious or in their bag. This week we uh it's okay. Let's start off with this. Um, for you guys listening, it won't have been any time, this will be uploaded on its regular schedule. Fingers crossed that I do that in the future. Um, But for me, it has been quite some time since I've last recorded. And if you have a good ear, as you've been listening, uh, this episode is not going to sound quite like the others. It's not going to have quite the same quality. And if you can really hear well, you might hear some background noise. Um, I'm not recording this up in a studio or a podcasting room or even a soundproofed room like I have been recently uh I am just recording in my room I just got the urge to record today um I have a book that I've been wanting to talk about I enjoyed this book a lot well okay let me not say that I had fun with my pre and post reading experiences with this book and I will get into what that means specifically in just a moment but I'm just recording in my dorm room today and I've set up a little Fake booth kind of for myself in my bed. So I've got two like thick blankets canopying my bed currently, and then I've like stuck my yoga mat up to like block out some of the sound from my window, and then I just have a bunch of like my pillows surrounding me to hopefully catch all the residual noises. So I'm hoping that it sounds good enough to post. If not, I might edit and re-release it at a later date. But for the time being, this is the episode we're working with today. So you'll have to bear with me and get over it. Um, so today's book is called The Never King. Let me... I was not prepared to start recording either. So let me find the, the author of the book. Hold on. Um, and it's a... Okay. It's called The Never King by Nikki St. Crowe. I'm so sorry about this. Uh, And it's a dark retelling of Peter Pan, basically. Um, It's the first book in a series called The Vicious Lost Boys. A little bit more about it from Goodreads. So it's rated a 3.8 on Goodreads. um, Which is high three point, that's generous I don't know who gave it that rating but okay um so it's a dark romance fantasy and also it's a reverse harem book which has since been updated but when I was looking for this book I did not realize that it was tagged as dark harem and it was quite the shock to me it was it's my first ever dark harem book um, I have been recommended a couple others by people I know who read reverse harem books. I feel like I keep getting the name wrong. I I don't know why, but in my mind, I think I just said dark harem. Reverse harem is the tag, which for those of you, um, uninitiated in the world of reverse harem or even just harem books, it's basically when you have, um, so reverse harem is when you have one female and a bunch of males that she is... Um, not necessarily romantically involved with but usually there's some level of romance but there's at the very least um, romantic attraction and more than likely sexual attraction. It's not necessary for there to be sex but I don't know why you'd pick up a reverse harem book if you didn't want there to be sex. So um, yeah so this is my first ever reverse harem book and that It was problematic at first, and then I was just like, whatever, it'll be fine. And then things got dicey, and then after reading, I was recommended what other people considered to be good or better reverse harem books that I may or may not try in the future. But I didn't have such an issue with it overall, I don't think, but I do just want to note It's a reverse harem, but also don't forget it's a dark romance. So it's not, like, your hallmark lovey-dovey romance story. It's dark, and the sex scenes aren't the most, um... What is the... Well, I don't even want to say, like, safer work. Like, it's... I don't know how to describe it. It's... The sex scenes you're going to get aren't going to be the most, like making love type sex. It's going to be like, let me pin you down and like have my way with you type of beat. So be prepared for that if you are going to get into it because I was not prepared. And let me tell you, it's a shocker if you just don't think that that's going to happen to you and then you open the book. But um, the reason I even started this book, and I feel like that's a good place to start with this is just at the beginning. The reason I even picked this book up was I was in somewhat of a book rut And gosh, this, I guess it was over summer. I was in somewhat of a book rep. My dad and I had just finished, we had done a buddy read of um, Neverwhere by, not Neverwhere, The Ocean by the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. That's the book we had read. And he was thinking about starting Neverwhere, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to start like um, a serious book at the time. I was thinking I wanted something humorous and which not to say that Neil Gaiman's works aren't humorous but um his humor is a lot drier than i think i was looking for at the time and i just figured i'd read something so i hopped onto goodreads and i'm scrolling and i'm scrolling and i found i came across this book and i was like well this sounds interesting because i like dark retellings and i really enjoyed peter pan when i was a kid it was one of my favorite movies So I'm scrolling through the reviews, and the first review I saw on Goodreads was three stars. And all it says is, was this book good? No. But was it good? Yes. And I immediately got the book. I immediately purchased it. I said, okay, this is for me. Because one thing about me, I have a little bit of a masochistic streak. So if it's going to be bad, I might just get my toe in it you know what I mean if it's going to be garbage but like good garbage it's an immediate yes for me so I figured let's try it and if I just didn't like it I you know I would give it up but I don't know if I didn't like it there's a second book and I have the second book I I I made it to chapter two of the second book. I'm so sorry for anyone's ears. I just did the harshest S ever. I'm so sorry. But I, mm, I just can't commit to the second book at this time. But I'm hopeful that I will enjoy it. Because I think maybe the second book, maybe we get better characterization, although I'm not hopeful. So let's jump into a little bit more about this book. Um, I will read to you now the Goodreads synopsis and then we will get into my opinions and for this book it was a little bit different than some of my others. I definitely made more of a running commentary than just a simple um like review. It wasn't like an overview at the end. I just wrote down all my thoughts as I was reading it because I needed to talk to someone about the book. And at the time, I didn't have my sister to call and yell at about the book. So I wrote it all down. So we're going to go through my notes on what I saw as I read it. And then we will get into like review stuff off the top of my head later. So this book is The Never King by Nikki St. Crowe. The stories were all wrong. Hook was never the villain. For two centuries, all of the darling women have disappeared on their 18th birthday. Sometimes they're gone for only a day, some a week, or a month. But they always return broken. Now, on the afternoon of my 18th birthday, my mother is running around the house making sure all the windows are barred and the doors are locked. But it's pointless. Because when night falls, he comes for me. And this time, the Never King and the Lost Boys aren't willing to let me go. So, um the never king is a dark retelling of peter and wendy if you like your enemies to lovers romance with hot ruthless morally gray love interests you'll enjoy the never king and the lost boys you can expect hate kissing fighting bickering and touch her all unalive you vibes which i'm trying so hard not to laugh right now it's this is an amateur author book so Nikki st crow i want to say is a pin name but also she has a few books but none of them have like you know, been through rigorous publishing and whatnot. Um, She's an Amazon bestselling author who writes Paranormal Romance where the villain gets the girl. Um, And yeah, she has a website if you want to check her out. I have not read any of her other books. Like I said, I read this one and had strongly mixed emotions on it. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but th- so like I said this is my first RH book ever and I didn't completely hate it but I'm not entirely certain that it did what it intended to do as a book like I think it should have been labeled better first of all because again I had no idea it was an RH and it's less RH like it's less of a book and mostly just straight erotic fiction in the first half And then it, like, loosely wraps up into a plot that's connected by porn scenes. So, like, towards the end, we almost have a story. But at the beginning, it's just the main character, whose name is Winnie, getting just, like, straight business by four dudes? Well, three of them. And the fourth is there, but we'll, we'll get into it in a minute because I don't, I don't want to have to recall that scene unless I absolutely have to, because it almost made me throw up. Um, okay. So yeah, it's a retelling of Peter Pan and it has like interesting world building aspects. So basically it's about this girl, Winnie, who lives in a house with her mom and she's, I don't, I don't want to say strangely, like, hypersexual. Just because strangely makes it sound like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, like, when you meet her, she's, like, having sex in a car with this dude she doesn't like and barely knows. Which, again, that's fine. That's all you. That's what you want to do with your life. You know, live your life the way you want to. You're Your body, your choice. I have no problems with that. But then it's, like... She just she has weird emotions connected to having sex. So then it like made it awkward for me as the reader because I was like, does she enjoy this or not? Like, what am I supposed to feel about this? And then it made it actually a little bit worse because then like she's like, ugh, I hate having sex with this guy, but I keep doing it. And I was like, that's uncomfy for me to like know about you. But anyway, so she's, like, a hypersexualized girl. She's turning 18 in a couple days or maybe the next day. I don't exactly remember. And she's living at home with her mom. Um, Her mom is, like, according to her, she's certifiable. Like, she really continues to dog out her mother the entire book. She's like, my mom is insane. And she's crazy. But basically, her mom has been, like, trying all her life to protect her from um, pan- and because he has, like, a history of stealing the darling women on their 18th birthday, just like it said in the synopsis. And so she's, like, non-functioning. She doesn't go out of the house. Like, she doesn't have enough money for the lights to be on in the house. Like, the mom is not doing well at all. Like, when she got back from... um what is that? Neverland. I was about to say, what is the name of the island? When she got back from Neverland, she just like couldn't function in the real world anymore. So she's not doing okay. And she's just been like a bad mom to Winnie and Winnie like doesn't know what to do with her life. And she's just kind of like, you know, um, basically your everyday, like, uh, I want to call her stereotypical, but she's like your stereotypical, like delinquent girl, basically. If you're going to see any type of young adult media, that's, like, her. Um, so, basically, that night, Pan comes and steals her. And he, like... He talks to the mom. And it's kind of awkward. But anyway, he, he comes, takes her to Neverland. She wakes up. She's locked up in this castle... Or in in their tree fort. And, like, the tree is dying. And, essentially... The plot is they need Winnie to find Pan's shadow because his shadow got stolen or taken away or something. It escaped. He doesn't have a shadow anymore. Um, I I can't remember if, like, it's a reveal that it got stolen or if he knows it got stolen in the first place. It's neither here nor there. He doesn't have a shadow and Neverland is dying because in this world, you're, like... There's a bunch of different realms, and every realm has a king, and every realm has two shadows. So there's a shadow of light and a shadow of death, and your king can either inhabit the death shadow, or he can inhabit the light shadow. And as long as they have that, the realm will survive. But since Pans got stolen, his his shadow got stolen, um, and he had the light shadow... His realm is falling apart. So Neverland is like dying. And that's the main. It's the central conflict. I wouldn't call it the main conflict of the book. But it's a conflict that's set up. And supposed to make you feel some tension somewhere. I certainly didn't. But that was its purpose. Um, And then. After that. like She finds that out. Late in the book. Pretty much. But. There's essentially... Okay. There's essentially three plot points. She gets taken. She finds out that the shadow's gone. And that's what they need her for. Because her ancestor is the one who held the memory of the shadow. And, like... Or or her ancestor, like, knew what happened to the shadow. And only someone of her descendants can remember it. Because, like, memories sometimes get passed down through ancestral lines. Or some garbage BS like that. It it, what. Anyway, and then plot point number three, um, Tinkerbell's daughter comes to, like, supposedly help Peter Pan unlock the girl's memories, but really she's, like, betraying him, and, like, she's trying to get him... Or she's trying to, like, kill Pan and Neverland and then take the shadow for herself so she can rule because Peter killed Tinkerbell... um, for I guess slightly justifiable reasons, Peter killed Tinkerbell because Tinkerbell killed the original Wendy Darling, and he was sad about it or whatever. And then yeah, so that's that's the overarching plot. Um, at the end, basically, Winnie remembers and she goes back to Earth, um, and then Tinkerbell's daughter like stages a coup and they end up killing a bunch of like fairies because like there's a fairy court in Neverland that Pinker that Tinkerbell ruled and Tinkerbell's daughter, like Sage's coup, whatever. I'm sorry if you heard that car outside. I'm like sitting right by a window that's next to the street, but this is the only place I have that I can record well enough in my room. So I'm so sorry. Um, back to the plot of the book. Basically Winnie yeah, Winnie discovers the shadow through garbage means and they save the day and then Winnie's like I'm not staying here mom I'm going back to Neverland even though Peter's like once I got my memory you don't have to stay with me but she was like you guys have such good pipe I'm going back to Neverland and that's that Um but I think like the world building was fine once I got it but it didn't come in until the very end of the book like I didn't learn what happened to Tinkerbell or um, like the whole fairy court system, or even why they kidnapped Winnie in the first place until probably five chapters from the end. Like the ending rushed all of the story in. And I just feel like if she wanted to make this book a real book, you have to like drop the plot points into the book better. Like you have to integrate it into the book better than she did because it was really just porn with one guy porn with another guy porn with a third guy plot porn again porn again porn again plot and I just didn't care for that but the world building itself was really good which is why I think I want to read the second one because I want to know more about it um However, like, I, I want to know more about the world and more about the other realms, because Hook is has been mentioned, like, the mermaids have been mentioned, like, Hook lives on the other side of Neverland, and they have, like, a war with him going on, but, like, Pan is so much stronger than Hook, but since he's lost his shadow... You know, he hasn't been able to, like, control things. He hasn't been able to fly. He hasn't been able to do all sorts of things. But then there's also one character who's, like, from a different realm. And he has, like, the death shadow from his realm. And so I want to know more about that. Like, the shadow system seems interesting. It seems cool in general. I just feel as though we could be doing better in the storytelling department. Because the world building itself is cool but it doesn't build quickly or in any way that's mostly relevant um and then okay so like most of my other issues with the book are that it lacks development and this is literally what I wrote down as I was reading like I was in chapter like six and I was just like my problem with this book is that it lacks development because (laughs) the characters are so one-dimensional I mean she barely gives any description of them and the s- description she does give like doesn't affect their personality or the way they interact with the world in any way so she'll be like winnie is really skinny and she like she hasn't been eating well because her mom hasn't been paying the bills and she's just super thin and blah 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 and then we'll see a scene where like winnie's in like handcuffs and it's like This would be a cool moment to be like, hmm, since she's so thin, she can escape from those handcuffs. And instead, Winnie sits there. And it's like, I suppose, I guess, I guess, but we could do better. Um, and then they also, they just like don't have any depth. Like all of the characters really just kind of have one, like they're so one dimensional. Um. She gives them like base level trauma and then she's like, that's their personality. And it's like, that's not a personality. That's something that happened to them, but they don't even let it affect their personality. It's just, she says that one thing as if that's supposed to make a character well-rounded and it doesn't like, okay. So the four guys in the book, because I guess I've talked about Winnie a lot and obviously pans here and he's like the big bad. He's the king, whatever. So he has two um lost boys named christ what are their names (laughs) i wrote it down somewhere hold on i gotta go find them i gotta go find them i feel so bad for like not having this put together but also it's been a long day and a long week where did i write their names down oh my god i wrote it down twice because i thought their names were all kind of stupid (laughs) why don't i have them somewhere okay hold on Really quickly, let me go find them. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I have it now. So, the boys' names are Cass and Bash, and then the last one's name is Vane, with a V, V V-A-N-E, Vane. So, Cass and Bash are two fairy boys, and you learn later in the book that... They don't have their wings anymore, so they can no longer be considered fairies, which is how they ended up being Lost Boys in the first place. But they don't have their wings anymore because they killed their dad. Now, it also turns out later that their dad was like, well, okay, so they're also Tinkerbell's kids. So they're older than Tinkerbell's daughter, who's the queen of the fairies and whose stages is the coup. Um, I'm explaining this so backwards and I feel bad. I'm sorry. I just, it is what it is. You're going to have to get over it. This is how I record. Um, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, Cass and Bash have been like exiled from fairyland basically, um, because they killed their dad, but their dad, I believe was originally part of Tinkerbell's plot to like kill Pan But Tinkerbell wants to kill Pan for reasons I'll explain later. Um, And then, yeah. So basically, the point I was originally trying to make before I got off on this tangent, and I'm um, coming back to you now. So is that they have like a base level of trauma of, oh, we killed our dad, we lost our wings, and we can never go back home. And that is sad. That's, like, something that genuinely does add to their characters, but then we don't learn anything else about them. Like, it's not even that they feel necessarily sad about it. They're like, wow, we're fairies, but we aren't fairies anymore. And then it's like, okay. And then, like, sometimes they do magic. But it's not like, you know, like it's never explicitly mentioned that they're wistful or that they wish they could have more magic or that even they wish that they could be back. They're like, we're Peter Pan's boys. Yeah. And like, it doesn't add anything to them. They're just it's just trauma sprinkled in for the sake of them having trauma. And I, I, I would like for it to be explored more and to add motivation to some of their character moments but it doesn't because the only time they're on screen is prior to or just after having sex with Winnie. So it feels like nothing has any purpose in this book and essentially it doesn't. Um, so I guess to get into Winnie more because she's really my next point, I didn't care for her. I didn't hate her, but it was hard to like her in the best of times, and there were very few of those. Um, I mean, like it's mostly it's just because I don't know anything about her. Like, I have probably four facts about Winnie, and it's that she idolizes her old neighbor who was a prostitute because she like used sex to her advantage. Which I don't know why this was like such a big point for Winnie because it was mentioned a few times, and I was like, okay, like. Does that mean she wants to follow in her neighbor's footsteps? Or she just likes that her neighbor was so confident in her body as a woman? Or like, what is the purpose you're trying to get at by giving us this point? And I could never figure it out because it's only mentioned a few times. It's just not given any actual attention. This book has so few details. But I know that... um, We know she's, like, pretty independent. She's been raising herself, basically, since her mom, you know, can't function, really. Um, And we know that she really likes sex. Like, that's really the only things we know about her. I couldn't tell you her middle name. Couldn't tell you her favorite color. I couldn't tell you what she likes to read. I mean, there's just nothing. Like, she is nothing other than a body to be used in this book. And it is actually so disappointing because it feels like this book wants to be kind of a feminist, like a feminist outcry of like, I can be sexually active and I can be, you know, like I can want sex and I can want to use my body in ways that maybe society doesn't approve of and that doesn't make me a bad person, but... It doesn't do that because Winnie is also just a bad person. So it doesn't lend any credibility to that argument. And then since we know nothing else about her, it's like it no longer makes it that I can want sex and be a well-rounded woman because she's not a well-rounded woman either. So it's just I can be a woman who wants sex, which is fine as a mess. Well, it's fine but not in a vacuum, I think. Um, yeah. So, I don't, I just, I don't know enough about Winnie to like her. Um, I mean, all of her thoughts, every single thought she has in the book leads back to sex. Like, you give this woman two sentences to have an internal monologue, sit so by sentence three, she will say, this would make for good sex. Like, er- And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. She's a young teenager, you know. She's doing what she wants with her life. These are her prime years. I get it. But she's been kidnapped. And I feel like that is not made abundantly apparent in the book. And... mm, (laughs) You don't know if I have a note about this, so I will i guess I will try to expound on it now. But she's been kidnapped. And at no point does she really take that seriously. She's never like, man, I gotta get out of here. Man, I gotta get home. Or I should do something to get back home. Like, she's like, wow, that's crazy they kidnapped me, but don't they look so, like, sexy? And it's like, Your priorities are not in check. And I will not be made the enemy here for thinking so. Your priorities are not in check. What woman who's been abducted is going to think on her first thought, man, if these guys would just lay it down on me one time, I'd be set for life. Like, no. If you've been kidnapped, your first thought is how do I get home and how do I not get murdered? And the thing is, She shows no fear. Like, she doesn't show any emotions other than lust. Like, she doesn't even show, like, sadness at, like, calling her mom crazy all these years and then realizing her mom is right. She doesn't show any remorse for maybe not doing the things she wanted to do before she left this world. Like, she doesn't know if she's, like, gonna die or go back home. She doesn't know any of that. And at no point is she even, like... And she doesn't have a whole lot of worldly attachments. I get it. She's, like a loner. She's been betrayed by a lot of people. She doesn't have a whole lot. And so I'm not saying like she should be like, man, I missed out on being in the world. But it just feels stiff because she doesn't have any emotions at all. It's truly like it's not getting kidnapped. It's just a vacation. But it's an involuntary vacation. She was kidnapped. And I just want to put that reminder out there for anyone, she's been kidnapped. I mean, this is season, what season is that? Well, season four scandal where Olivia Pope got kidnapped. She has been kidnapped. There's red wine on the floor. If y'all haven't seen Scandal, you won't get my reference. I'm so sorry. You should really watch Scandal though if you haven't seen it. Up to a point because at some point they start disrespecting my man, Papa Pope. And then I was like, no, mm -mm. Eli Pope would never fumble the bag like this anyway back to the book though <laughs> um yeah so anyway it's just like difficult to empathize with her situation because I don't know if she's fully processing her situation at any point point. and if I'm reading the book from her perspective and she doesn't care why would I um also okay here's like a note that's just physically like directed at the writing of the book these bullies and some of these like this is a technique this is not young adult fiction um because young adults should not be reading anything with the um 18 plus like writing um and scenes that are in this you know i can't condone that young adults read that but if young adults are reading that um what is with the like terrible bullying this is giving um corbin blue and jump in bullying like when they were like ha you jump rope that's what the bullying in this book is giving and i just feel like we can do better like i don't know i don't know if i wanted to be like euphoria level like all of these teens hate each other type mess but th- um, they call her in her school they call her winnie whore and i just think that's a bad nickname like that's just that's weak writing like that's And it's not even, like, weak writing. That's just, like, weak bullying. Like, be better. Do better. If you're gonna bully someone... Actually, let me not say that. (laughs) Um, but I just... It's bad. Like, that's a dumb nickname. And I would give it points for alliteration at least. But because the W sounds aren't actually the same consonant sound, it's not even good alliteration. It's just bad. And also, I mean... Again, she was very hypersexual and she was very active um, sexually in and around her town. So I guess I understand that she has like a reputation for um, liking sex and whatever. But. Winnie Whore is not a good nickname. And then later in the book, she's like, they don't call me Winnie Whore for nothing, ha, ha And it's like, so if you've embraced the nickname, they're not bullying you anymore. That's just a nickname they've given you. And I just think we could do better. You know what I mean? If you're going to give her the added plot point of bullying for like trauma or even as a way to like show that she's an outcast, it can't be something that she readily accepts and even identifies with. Because at that point, it's not bullying, and it no longer serves the purpose that you asked it to serve. Um, Yeah, I mean, also, I really did write about Jump In in my notes. Like, I, I started speaking off the cuff, and then I looked back at my notes, and I literally wrote, the bullies in Jump In were better, and they were laughing at Corbin Blue for jumping rope. The kids in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs did a better job, because the song they came up with is at least catchy, if not smart, like... Four eyes, four eyes, you need glasses to see is kind of a banger not gonna lie. And, like, even if it's not creative, I'll give it points for having a solid melody. Like, low-key bars. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, okay, my next note is back to the boys. Because I just think that, I didn't touch on them well enough. Um, the boys all are the same person. If you asked me to distinguish, maybe that's why I didn't know their names, because I can't distinguish them. If you asked me to read the book again without the names and point out which boy is which, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. And I think that's bad. That's not a good indicator. The more I, like, talk about the book, the more I think I didn't like it, but I genuinely had a fun time pre- and post-reading. Which I will, again, I'll come back to that, to what that means, because I say words, but they don't always make sense until I explain them, and I don't want to explain them now and get off on another tangent. Um. Pause for a water break. Drink your water. Um, you know, stay hydrated. And, you know, all of the things, put on some chapstick, put on some lotion. Nobody wants to be ashy. Um, anyway. So yeah, the boys, all the same person. Um, they're all like dark, mysterious, broody guy that we don't know much about. And they're enigmatically drawn to this plain half-starved white girl for no particular reason. Like the author even describes her as being the most generic of generic white girls. And I said, okay, she was really, she really called her wonderbread white girl. And I was like, okay, I guess. And then she was like, But she is a seductress. She is the knight. She is like the lady of your dreams. And I was like, didn't you just describe her as like plain Jane with brown hair? She's super skinny, half starved. Like she doesn't look healthy. Like that was what I remembered her being described as, as not looking healthy. And I'm like, I don't know if maybe it's just me, like because I'm not a guy or like what. But if you describe someone as looking not healthy, as looking uh you know like malnourished and um sickly that's not someone I want to have sex with that's someone I want to take to a hospital so possibly they can get some help and these boys were all like she is ripe to be dicked down and I I'm not I'm uncertain as to why that's the case <laughs> maybe that's just me but it it's at some points it didn't sit right with my soul i was a little concerned and again they're all supposed to be like i'm evil and i'm not gonna be a good guy to you because it's like dark romance so it's like the point is i guess for it to be like a little on the rapey side but it didn't It did not sit right in my soul. And I don't, I don't think that's the purpose of dark romance, but I also think people write rape fantasies into books and then they pass it off as something else. And we're all supposed to just be okay with it. I am looking at you. Um, that was disrespectful. I'm Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Please don't sue me. I'm just joking. That wasn't, that was not, I should not have said that. I'm going to have to edit that out. (laughs) Um... (laughs) anyway but yeah so like all of the boys are just like one track minded which is a stereotype that i really think is like ill-fitting for males like if there's anything that like can be attributed to toxic masculinity toxic masculinity it's that guys have like a one-track mind i truly don't believe that i think that in our society we expect them to be like that and then they conform to that norm and then they're um you know, like degraded for it, and I think that that's like untrue. Like, literally, anyway. I'm like at the dining hall, and I'm like listening to this guy's conversation, and they're talking about whether they would drink a shot of apple cider vinegar or fettuccine Alfredo sauce, and I was like, "What a weird question to ask." I would rather do a fettuccine Alfredo sauce because I've taken shots of apple cider vinegar, and it burns worse than whiskey. Anyway, I was talking about these boys. So anyway, but like the fact that the boys in the book are like one track minded of just being like, either we're sitting around waiting for someone to find Pan's shadow, or we are actively thinking about fantasizing about or having sex with Winnie. And it just... With Winnie or other random girls on the island. I guess I should also talk about that. So they live in Neverland. Which is an island. Like in the sky. Like it is in the movie. And. It's strange because. Peter Pan. He's dying without his shadow. Just like Neverland is dying. Without the shadow. And so he's basically a vampire. And I will get to that in just a second. um, Because of that fact. But. The boys, so like, all of the lost boys live in or around the tree, and then he has his like three minions that live like very close to him. Um, and his minions being Cash, Bat, Cass, Bash, and Vain, and so the rest of them like basically are drunk on fairy wine and like they party um like every night, and it's kind of like a weird like group gambling orgy din outside of the tree which i found strange like your whole realm is dying and y'all are just kind of like living it up and partying like it's a big like frat every day but then they also have girls who are like uh, kind of consenting but it was weird it was it was weird because all of the boys like especially with Cass and Bash like they're uh, you know they're party boys so that was like their whole thing and they would basically be like we're part of Peter Pan's crew and then all the girls would like flop over themselves to like have sex with them and I was like okay but then sometimes they'd be just like mad and they'd be like they'd like snap their fingers and a girl would just like walk towards them and I was like that's coercive and creepy like that's weird that's strange that's weird that's suspicious um so I don't I'm unclear on whether those were sex slaves or not um regardless I didn't care for that plot point um but yeah so but like all of the boys So they, like, sometimes they would have sex with people who weren't Winnie. Basically, was the point I was trying to get at. But all of the boys just had weird, like, they were all just dark and mysterious. And then they would be like, Vane is the darkest one of us all because he has a death shadow. But then Peter Pan was like, I'm the baddest person on this realm. And you cannot escape me to Winnie, like, several times. And he was like, if you want to have sex with anyone, you must have, like discuss it with me and blah 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 and it was like okay um uh, yeah yeah so it was it was weird all of the boys were just like i'm the scariest person you'll ever meet and then they weren't and then it was weird it was very weird that's all that's really the only way I know how to describe it at this point. And I wish I could like give you better terms for it, but I don't want to like read the book to you because I'm not sure I would ever read the book again myself. So I I don't at this time have the words to describe how strange it was that all of the boys just didn't have their own character traits. Like they were all just dark brute dark brooding mysterious guys who were definitely way too old to be having sex with this girl because in Neverland you don't grow up and they were all definitely way too old to be having sex with this girl who turned 18 that very day I just want to remind everyone she turned 18 that very same day and I find that creepy and gross um okay next fact that I want to hit on Hannah's a vampire in this book, and that was cringy. That was gross. I actively disliked that plot point. Um so basically he's a vampire because he doesn't have a shadow anymore. so anytime he's in the sun, he gets like burned and it was giving very much Edward Cullen. It was giving very much Twilight. It was giving very much like Jasper. you know what I mean? it was it was not okay. was uncomfortable was giving very much miss stephanie meyer and i was not happy about it not happy bob not happy i gotta stop throwing like references in here because i don't know if anyone's actually gonna get any of these or even if it's relevant um regardless he's not like actually a vampire because he doesn't like subsist on blood or whatever and he's not undead but it's just like he can't be out in the sunlight and so he's completely nocturnal and it just sounded it was dumb it was not giving and like I understand the reasoning behind it because like he doesn't have a shadow anymore so how can he be in the sun like I get it kind of and as like a world building thing I guess it's fine like it's unique it adds something new to your telling of this story I get it I won't hate on the like that writing bit of it I just personally didn't care for it 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 made me laugh the first time because he literally did start, like, burning in the sun. And I was like, that's funny. Look at the stupid, idiot old man burning in the, like, daylight. But then I was like, however, this is dumb. Also, time in this book doesn't make sense. I, I, (laughs) I, it just made me think of that. He's completely nocturnal. But, like, Winnie will get up in the mornings and she'll talk to, like, Cass and Bash. They're Freaking names are so ridiculous to me. But she'll talk to the boys, the twins, for like 20 minutes. She'll have a conversation with the only other female that we meet on the island for like 20 minutes. Because as you read the conversation, it takes like five minutes to read. So I assume with like spaces in between like their breaths or whatever, if they move around. There's like 20 minute conversations. And then it'll be like, hands up everything's like dangerous now but it's like how is pan up you just told me the sun rose 10 minutes ago and maybe the sun rises and sets differently in this world but also then pan will be up to have like a 10 minute conversation with her and then she'll be like it's time for bed and i'm like how long is the day here but then she'll be like i've been missing for 48 hours and it's like how How have you been missing for 48 hours when you've only talked to anyone, when you've only had conscious time for three hours max? That's all I'm willing to give you. And maybe there are time skips, but if there are, they are not well indicated. I don't know. I The time thing was weird to me, because if he's going to be nocturnal, you need to build in time during the day for things to happen, and that could be maybe where plot points happen, that could maybe be where exposition happens, where backstory happens, where you add in character interactions to make it so that they even like each other on some level other than lusting after each other's bodies, but nope- Nikki St. Crowe said, absolutely screwed that. She said, bump that. I don't care. And then didn't. So, you know, that's all her. You know, good for her. She read a book. And again, I will never hate on someone for putting out a product into this world because you got to do what you got to do. And I see you, sis. I do. Um, Yeah. So next thing I will say, um, I like part of the plot of the book, like, I genuinely did enjoy the ending. It made me want to read the second one, which is actually why I got the second one, was because, like, the ending ramped up so well and it had great action. And I was like, oh, this is dope. This is something I would love to read. And then I started the second book and it went exactly back to, like, square one. And so I had to put it down. But, um... So I I did, like, the plot of some parts of it... But it just didn't blend well because the horny fairy boys were giving very much Akatar book too and that was something I could not stomach first of all I didn't like um I, I didn't care for Akatar, and I never even started a court of and fury so so um it, it just wasn't giving and like okay it made it, the book made me laugh it like that's what I mean when I say like I had a good pre and post reading experience was the book made me laugh and I any book that makes me laugh is at least somewhat positive like I've read books that didn't make me laugh at all I recently read catcher in the rye for one of my classes and I think I laughed once but it was like a laugh through my it's like when you breathe through your nose hard and it's like that was funny I don't even know if that picked up on the camera. I don't know if the mic picked that up, but it's like you you like breathe through your nose hard and like that's kind of a laugh, but not really. I did one of those and Catcher in the Rye, so like I didn't like Catcher in the Rye as much as I liked this, which is wild to me. But I just it it made me laugh at some points because like the internal monologues, like the dialogue for the characters was so weird. It was just like I had to laugh. Like it was like they just don't follow normal thought patterns and it was just funny. Like none of these people would like hold normal conversations because like they would stop thinking for like real thoughts for like 10 minutes just to be like like they would be talking about a book. Like at one point Vane and Winnie are talking about a book. And then Bane is like, yeah, this book is good. Wait, she looks so sexy in that sweater because it's like low key too big on her. And like, ooh. And I was like, what happened? Like, you were just having a normal conversation in a book you're reading. Where, why, why did we lose the plot so quickly? <laughs> like, what jump from one thought to the next like that? It didn't make any sense. And like, it's crazy because the books like have this rule that you find out about at the first like point of the book where it's just like we don't have sex with the darling girls like that's always been our rule because blah 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 so they're supposed to have like this wicked control over themselves and they've been kidnapping darling girls since like the late 1800s and it's now like 2000 and something it's like late 2010s i think and all of a sudden now miss plain jane white bread eight by eleven copy paper got y'all crazy like this her punani was that good she got y'all crazy like this they're supposed to have this wicked control over this over themselves and they're really acting like damon just fiending over Catherine in season one of vampire diaries right now and i just thought it was funny that it was truly hilarious um i will say though Back to like things I did like about it, I thought Pan's chapters were really genuinely good. Like he was the only one who had thoughts outside of sex and not to say that he didn't also lust after Winnie time after time after time, day after day after day. However, he could have normal thoughts before just going into like, man, it's crazy. Like I really want to like just put it down on her. You know what I mean? So I liked that, like, he has, he also has, like, conversations with other characters outside of Winnie, which is really non-existent for the other characters, like, Cass and Bash have, like, two characters that are just private, like, between them, and both times I want to say they're talking about having sex with Winnie, so it doesn't really count to me, but, like, the others will talk to Winnie, or, like, only talk to Winnie, or like, they'll be having a conversation, and then Winnie will interrupt. And like Pan is the only one where when you read from his perspective, he has legitimate, full conversations with people. and Winnie just doesn't interrupt and like ruin things. And I liked that. He talks with Vane a lot. and like Vane's his like right hand man, basically. And like, I just I thought like those were interesting conversations. Um, But also, I hate the name Vane. I know I had this whole like rant about um what's his name. It starts with a Z. Why can't I think of it? Anyway, I know I had this whole like rant when I read uh, *Sin and Chocolate* about one of the characters' names. But when I read Vane's name, I legitimately curled into the fetal position from laughing so hard. And I thought it was so dumb. I was like, this is hilariously stupid. I mean, it's just bad. What a dumb name. And now here's the thing. I don't like the twins names either, but that's because they're hard to pronounce. Like if I'm saying it out loud, and this could be because I like really loved Six of Crows. So in my mind, like I want to say Kaz, but like I, I like Cass and Bash are like, it's so hard for me to say them. I have to like pause every time and I don't care for that. Um, But anyway, I just, I like their conversations. Like they were serious conversations that pertain to the plot. That's the only time you really get any exposition or background on any of the characters is when you talk to them. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's just like, we also get to learn more about the world. Like those are the only times you even hear about Hook because like Winnie does not care. Like she does not care at all. She She just doesn't care about what's going on here. So, like, she doesn't even ask questions. She's like, you know, whatever. Life is lifing. And here am I. Like, (laughs) and here I am. So, you like, there's no background or exposition you get from her. Because she just doesn't care. Like, she's like, I'm vacationing. Again, she just does not believe she's been kidnapped. And it's concerning to me as a female that, like, this type of work is supposed to be, like, a cry for feminism and like um a female rallying point because she's been kidnapped and she just like doesn't know and like I just I'd be concerned that you'd have like younger readers reading it because it's not super well labeled as a reverse harem and it doesn't have it it has a list of triggers but you have to go to Nikki St. Crowe's like website to read the trigger list on it um which I do appreciate. I appreciate that because I've read other books. Looking at you, Kevin O'Hearn. Um, where they don't list the triggers that are going to be in a book. And it, ca- it catches you completely by surprise. And like that isn't cute. So I do appreciate that she has a trigger list. And it's very like well labeled at the very beginning of every book. Um, she has them for both of the books in her Vicious Lost Boys series. But um, I don't know. It was, just, it was like weird to me that she just like didn't ex- acknowledge that she'd been kidnapped and then they wanted us to be like cool with it and be like this is sexy because I could I just couldn't get into it like I will say that the sex scenes weren't sexy to me because I knew she'd been kidnapped and these are her kidnappers and that's called Stockholm Syndrome and that's a very serious thing so to me it wasn't sexy it was like this is concerning um more so than that they're they're violent sex scenes like which is if that's your thing be into it you know I'm all for doing whatever you want to do with your life like no kink shaming from me but they were like a a little excessive at times to me um I also chose not to read the trigger list at the beginning so I could have been more prepared to go into the book but I wasn't and that's on me because I did notice that there was a trigger list and I said whatever I'll be fine and then I wasn't Um, but yeah Pan's conversations though were very violent like He was incredibly violent, which I kind of liked because it added depth to his character in a way that none of the other characters got. Like, it made him interesting because he has like an unbridled rage just simmering in him. That was like, this is a cool character point. However,. Um, And, like, that's some of the only time you actually get to see other people, like, display emotion in the book. Like, everyone's very apathetic towards the situation at hand. Like, they kidnap her, and then they're like, yeah, just chill out here in the treehouse for a while. And she does for, like, a week. And then they're like, oh, that's right. We called you here for, like, a reason. And it's like, okay. (laughs) Um, But, like, they're all very apathetic towards the situation. Like, they don't really care about what's happening in any way to me, or at least that's the way I read it. That's the way I perceived it. But um Pan actually has emotions. Like he has like he's grieving over his shadow and over his realm. And he's regretful for the things he's done. And he even grieves Tinkerbell at some points and he's just like this like sucks. And he grieves Wendy and he feels bad for kidnapping all of the darling girls. Like He feels remorse, but not regret for it. And I appreciate those things. Like, it gives me more on his character. And I enjoy that we actually even get to see any of it. I think that that was some of Nikki St. Crow's best work in this book, was just Pan's chapters where you get to see his perspective on what's happening. I really enjoyed that. However, sometimes he was like, had really weirdly, grossly violent thoughts about Winnie and what he would do to Winnie. And I was concerned. Like, I... And again, it's a dark romance. So that's kind of par for the course of like violent relationships and like unhealthy, unsteady relationships. And I get that. However, it just I it made me feel gross to read that. Like sometimes he was saying things and I was like, someone call the police because it was just it didn't it made me feel unsettled and maybe that was like the point of like do I even want to root for this relationship to work but clearly Winnie doesn't care she said y'all have free reign over me because at one point okay this is like truly not safe for work because I'm about to like describe what happens in the sex scene but at one point it like Pan like walks into a room And the other boys are sitting there or something. I don't remember exactly what happens. But essentially, Pan has his way with her in front of everyone. Because she's like, I'm not going to be some obedient little girl and blah, blah, blah. Even though she is and has been the whole book. Like she keeps saying things like that, but it doesn't hold up to her actions. But anyway, she says that and he's like... He says something about, like, punishing her. And she was like, make me in the way that, like, you know, people think is sexy or whatever. But to me, I was just like, she sounds like a child. And this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfy. Um, And then... So, Pan does that. They, like, finish or whatever. Pan goes to sit in a chair. And then the twins are like, Hey, yo, can we get your sloppy seconds, though? And Winnie like, oh my god, I would love if that happened. S- and Pan was like, whatever, just like don't make a mess. And I was like, is gross. <laughs> I, I, I wanted. I like. There were a few times throughout the book where I was just like, I could stop. Like, and I read this book in one night. Um, it was a very quick read. Um, but I read this book in one night. It probably took me like six hours maybe that's that's probably giving it a little too much credit it was it's a very quick read it's a short book um yeah I I got to that point and I was like this might not be worth it anymore like this might not be worth it and there were a few points where I was just like I don't think I want to keep reading this like there were points as I was reading it that just made me like despair and I was just like I feel terrible while I'm reading this I don't i don't like it anymore and i'm not having fun with it and this was like the start of one of those points where i was just, like this book has gone so downhill for me i just don't even think i can do it but um essentially after that so then the twins spit roast her basically because one of them sticks his penis in her mouth and so she's like giving him like oral sex or whatever and then the other one which was the part that i found really gross because it just gave me incest-y vibes which i i understand like the twins aren't performing sex acts on each other but i still was uncomfortable with it that's something that like settled on my soul that i didn't care for but then the other one is like hitting it from the back so then she's like got she's got the two of them on either end right so she's sitting there just like getting worked over or whatever and i just want to point out that you guys are lucky that i am recording on this book because i had another book that i thought i might want to record on today Um, however i chose to do this one knowing full well that all of my roommates are like in my dorm right now and they probably can very well hear me describing this book that i've read to you and I just think you guys should feel lucky and appreciate the fact that I'm doing this at the sake of my own personal dignity. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the book, because it gets worse. It gets worse. This is the part where I nearly like threw up. Like the book actually almost made me physically ill. So once the boys are like done, they get off of her. And Winnie's like, man, it's been crazy. Do I want to go for round three with Vane? And so she, like, looks at him and he's, like, challenging her. But, like, he has, like, really violent sex. Like, he can't control the, like, death shadow in him or whatever. So whenever he, like, has sex... Because they've, like, mentioned it. they Like, he has sex with this, like, one girl because, like, he hunts her down and, like, feeds on her fear or whatever but, like, she also gets a high from it at the end, like, but when she starts off, she's just, like, super scared, and then he attacks her and, like, like, violently tears her apart and then, like, has sex with her at the end of that whole thing, and then he, like, partially heals her and gets her high and then leaves, and I was very very uncomfortable upon hearing about that because that goes like beyond just like dark or like unhealthy like firstly that's abuse um and I don't think that that should be romanticized but like secondly it's almost rape because like they mentioned that she's become addicted to like having the like high that she gets from having sex with him but she can only get it if she goes through the whole process of having her body physically destroyed having her fear preyed upon and then being abused and i that to me is rape but no one asked for my opinion on such things i guess i don't know so um yeah that that upset me a lot actually when i was reading it but anyway so vain is like very clearly against having sex with her and he doesn't like her like he's made it abundantly clear he doesn't even like her like he doesn't even tolerate her presence near him and so i was wondering why she wanted to have sex with him in the first place but then she was just like they don't call me winnie whore for nothing babe and it was like okay that's weird to like a a weird flex but all right so anyway going through that whole process she then was like Vane come like lay it down on me bud like I want to ride on your pony type mess and then he spit in her mouth he spit in her mouth he I I, I don't want to keep saying it because I'll vomit right now just thinking about it but he put his saliva in her mouth and just walked away. And she like swallows it and is like, damn, I wish it could have been another one of his bodily fluids. And I, my stomach nearly revolted. I mean, I, I don't even think I breathed for like 10 minutes after that. I, I truly, I nearly just gave up. And I, it, it, you don't understand the way it thoroughly grossed me out. I couldn't physically take it. I was so upset. And I'm actually still upset thinking about it now. I was so upset. I was, I've never been more disgusted by any action that's happened in a book that I've read in my entire life. Like, actually never. Um, so I didn't care for the sex scenes which is like a good 75% of the book is just sex. And I didn't care for them. None of them like did anything for me. Um, So I don't know. Again, like I said at the very beginning, I don't think the book did what it intended to do as a book. But to get to the fact that I did enjoy the book and may continue reading the series... The thing is, while it didn't do what it intended to do as a book, I did have fun with the overall experience. The review that I read at the very beginning where it was just like, was this book good? No. Was this book good? Yes. I kind of think it holds up because the book itself, not good. It had no redeeming qualities to me. Well, it had a couple redeeming qualities, but would I ever recommend this to another person? God, no. I wouldn't put another person through that. However, I kind of just did enjoy my experience with reading it. Like, it had funny parts. Like, it wasn't intended to be humorous. It certainly was not intended to be humorous. But parts of it made me laugh because of how, like, poorly executed it was. So it's like watching... It's like watching a Fast and Furious movie. You're not going in because you think the movie itself is going to be good. You're going in for the experience. And I think the experience overall was fun. Um... Although I personally, Fast and Furious movies make my blood pressure rise. I can't do it. <laughs> but like, and then so as I, I told my sister about it after I read it and she was like, this book sounds terrible. And I was like, yeah, but like I had fun reading it. Like the opening parts, it's just like funny and her reactions to things sometimes were just like funny and the ending was genuinely, like, good. Like, if she had more action scenes in the book, I would have read it. Like, if there had been more action scenes and less vain, I would I would have genuinely probably given this book three stars. As it is, I think I only rated it two. Because it wasn't, it was not bottom of the barrel bad. I didn't put it down, although there were points where I wanted to, but I was already like, it's a short book and I'm pretty close to finishing it by the time those points happened. I wanted to put it down at some points, but I didn't. So, I mean, it wasn't absolute garbage. You know what I mean? But I just, I don't know if I would ever read it again because I don't think I would have that same fun reading experience on like a second read through like just the fact that that like review made me laugh and I was like I know exactly what kind of book this is going to be was a point that I already enjoyed and then after like describing the book to my sister and the conversation we had endeared me to it it like made me laugh and I was like this is funny and like even like the notes I wrote to myself as I read the book I was like I'm having fun reading them and like writing things down about the book the book itself is below mediocre but above garbage so that's my review i wouldn't call it ugly but it's certainly not in its bag it's very mid um but yeah well i will see about reading more nikki saint crow i don't know if all of her books are reverse harem because i don't know if i'd read another reverse harem book by her especially if the sex scenes are going to be like that like that they made me fairly uncomfortable and I usually don't have a problem with sex scenes but I definitely skipped over a fair amount in this book um although the next book I think I'm going to talk about I also skipped over sex scenes in that not for the same reasons and I will get to that book too but I don't know maybe recently I'm just having like an issue with like sex scenes in books I don't know what the problem is but who knows but yeah so Thank you guys for listening to my episode. I have greatly enjoyed this. Recording brings me so much fun. So I had a good time recording it. I hope you had a good time listening to it. I sincerely hope any of this audio is usable. Again, I'm just recording in my dorm room right now. So it's not an official setup and it won't be like this every time. Um, I just, I wanted to get something out, wanted to record, you know, wanted to do this again, um, revitalize my spirit for podcasting. I am enjoying this immensely. So please, give me any feedback you guys have and let me know how you guys are enjoying it what books you would like to see me read or review and yeah, any like movie to tv adaptations you would like me to do i'm thinking or book to tv adaptations you would like me to do i am thinking i'm gonna do an episode on the sandman Although i listened to that on audiobook the audible audiobook is very good highly recommend um like I said I love Neil Gaiman I might do one on Ocean at the End of the Lane soon as well he's one of my favorite authors and I'm still going to give you a top five authors list for me once I get that curated and I get a little bit more research done on that but yeah thanks so much for listening and I will see y'all later bye